That's got you a little bludgeon. Tell Australia, ring Macca. Put everybody in the know. If you've got a little yarn, ring Macca on Australia's radio show. If the creek's been rising or the weather's coming up or you found a little nugget or your horse has won the cup, put the billy on. Ring Macca. Australia's waiting for you. <laughs> it's nice to have your company. The good thing about Sunday morning for me is that uh, you never know what's going to turn up. Literally, and I never know what's going to turn up. Some things are planned. We might talk about girls and guitars and Gibsons this morning and we may not. But you can always ring 1300 700 222. Lovely to have your company. Good morning. Want a hand, mate? Ring Macca. Someone will give it a go. How you going, mate? It's Wombat from WA. How are you, Wombat? I'm on the highway on the 90 miles straight, heading east, heading over to Port Augusta and then up to Darwin. We've got to go the long way around. Roads and all that up Fitzroy and Broome and well, Broome Derby. It's all been washed out from the big rain. Like Wombat, what do you carry? I've got a load loader on. I'm taking a, what they call a mixer bowl for a bitumen plant. Well, it's only going to Catherine and then I'm going up to Darwin. I saw a lot of bitumen trucks the other day and I was thinking, that's a new growth industry now, isn't it? Bitumen to fill all oh, the yeah. potholes. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and lots and lots of bitumen to fill all that road up there, I can tell you. So you, you have to go the long way now? Yeah, mate, yeah, I think it's another 2,200 k's or something longer to go up there. All right, mate, you take care, eh? Look after. Hey, you're looking well after the holidays as well, eh? <laughs> Thanks, Wombat. Good on you, mate. I wish, I wish I was looking well. <laughs> that was Wombat last week, and I was just thinking, you know, 2,200 Ks, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Those roads must be really a mess. No wonder inflation's up and through the roof, mate. I don't know what they're going to do about it, but they'll have to do something because if your money's not worth anything, nothing's worth anything. That's why we're paying so much for everything. Uh, good morning, 1,300, 700, 222, that's our number. Some emails from last week when we played the gum leaf player, uh, Rosie. Mac, I listening to your show and heard Rosie, the Gumleaf player, and would love to see if anyone out there still plays. I'm a musician and I have a touring music variety extravaganza called Bring It Home and I'd love to have a Gumleaf player do a spot. I don't know if people still play, I suppose. They used to have a Gumleaf playing championships and we used to cover it years ago, years ago. From Peter McKenzie, to see a La Perouse Gumleaf band playing, look at the movie The Squatter's Daughter, 1933. Our community was the catchment pool for Aboriginal talent for the movies till the present. Most notable was The Last Wave with Richard Chamberlain. Thanks, Pete. I'll have to talk to you sometime. And this was from last week. I meant to read it. Didn't get to it from Jenny. Jenny Drink, and she says, You should see our uh, port in Eden, Twofold Bay. Both square riggers, James Craig and Soren Larson, were here, sheltering after a southerly change and they're on their way to the Wooden Boat Festival, which is on now, I think. We should be there. I should have gone to the Wooden Boat, but anyway. Seven or eight visiting yachts with varying flags, British, German and Australian. It's a lovely place, Twofold Bay. If you've not been there, go and have a look. And Jenny says they've got a beautiful town pool, 50 metres, which has recently had steps installed to aid accessibility for all. I'll have to come and swim it, Jen. Thank you very much for that. Mac of the ship that loaded coal from Catherine Hill Bay was the Wallara. I worked at Wallara Colliery, says Steve Shaw, as a mine deputy in the 80s before it closed. Such a shame I would have loved. We nearly went on that ship and I just left it too long and then I saw them one day and about three weeks, four weeks later it was all closed down. As I said, isn't it stupid? I mean, what sort of forward thinking is that to not even have your own merchant marine, your merchant navy, 
in a country like Australia surrounded by water. It just beggars belief, doesn't it? And uh, Kerry Cathro says, I live in Shoalwater in WA and I can see Penguin Island from the end of my street. The biggest danger to our penguins is boat traffic. I've emailed politicians about making it a protected marine park and stopping the boats. I'm hoping you can help their plight. Ian, on your Sunday show, says Kerry Cathro. G'day, this is Macca. G'day, Macca. Tom Robertson speaking, calling from uh, Wabundra in southern New South Wales. How are you going? I'm good, thanks, Tom. That's the ticket. Mate, um, I just thought I'd ring and uh, give you a little bit of a weather update from down here this morning. Yeah. We've, uh, yeah, we'd um, just been... Yeah, just been up all night uh, spreading fertiliser, actually, and just watching the sun come up down here, and it looks like it's going to be a bit of a, um, yeah, pretty good day. We've got clear skies and uh, not a breath of wind at the moment, and I think we're about to get to a top of about 30, so should be a pretty good one down here in the Southern Riverina. I reckon. Now, Tom, tell us, tell us all, you've been spreading fertiliser, what, uh, in, in, in preparation for what? Well, in preparation for um, this year's cropping program, Macker, I'm a... Um, a fertiliser spreading contractor, and uh, so this time of year we we spread a lot of lime and a lot of gypsum. Um, yeah, and, and last night just been spreading gypsum that'll um, that's going out in front of a canola crop that'll get planted in uh, yeah in the next six or eight weeks. There you go. And this last harvest was pretty good, wasn't it? In mostly, it was Macca, but um, look, it, it was it was good without being exceptional um, down here in. Well, southern New South Wales, but yeah, a lot of New South Wales in general just got uh, just got too wet in the end. Look, we've got um, we've got a small farm uh, not far from where I'm spreading at the moment uh, at a place called Coal Can, and we had 1183 mils of rain last year, and uh, normally we'd get around about 550. So over um, over double the rainfall, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, it uh, doesn't matter what crop you had last year when you got that sort of rain. It uh, it really struggles to uh, to to bring the best out in it. But uh, anyways, we got a crop off. That was a positive, and uh, yeah, we go again this year. So that sounds like an interesting job. Up all night. I mean, it's nice to work at a different time. I think you know you wouldn't want to do it all your life. Like I, I think of people who do overnight on radio and things like that. It'd be hard to get used to if you did that for a long time. But um, I don't know. Getting up when you say all night. What what time did you start, or if you've been going since eight o'clock last night or something? Yeah, yeah, I got going about eight o'clock last night. Wow. Um, so yeah, so generally the reason the reason being that uh, when you spread these products like lime and gypsum, they're quite fine. They're like a powder, um, and if you get too much wind, it, uh, it you start giving it to the neighbour, which is not what you want. Um, so uh, so 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 yeah, we uh, it was very it's been very windy down here throughout January and uh, start of February and. Um, uh, generally during the nights it drops off a bit. So, yeah, a lot of the work at the moment has just been at night to try and, uh, to try and uh, give that wind a wide berth. So, hence why, we're, uh, yeah, hence why we're working some strange hours at the moment. But, um, yeah, that's agriculture in general, really. Yeah, and the weather. I mean, we got inundated the other night. We had a couple of inches of rain, I reckon, and some people, it just it poured. So the rain's still around, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a funny old season. And I've got a report in my weather here coming up about La Nina, what does it say? Um, I'll just quickly try and find it, but I yeah, can't find it. But it doesn't matter. But La Nina is still with us um, all around Australia, not just uh, on on the east coast. So there's more rain around, I reckon. Yeah, it certainly feels that way, Macker. I mean, they're talking about it coming towards the end, but they have always said that uh, as the as this system breaks up is when it is most severe. So, um, yeah, an extremely hit and miss. Like I was spreading out at a place called Oakland's the other night and I got about two drops of uh, rain on my windscreen and about 
50 k's down the road they had over 100 mil so it's um yeah it's a it's a case of uh which cloud you're under at the time depending on him you know to, to uh, depending on how much rain you're going to get so yeah it's um yeah it's interesting times at the moment in regards to rainfall that's for sure so you you're busy i mean people are you're preparing for canola crops and wheat i suppose and oats and barley and all sorts of things yep yeah that's right macro i've actually um i've been I've been working myself for five years. I've been spreading spreader contracting for three years, um, and uh, we're setting ourselves up for yeah the biggest year that we've had um, since we've been spreading by quite a long way. Um, we've got sort of uh, yeah roughly at the moment about eleven thousand tonnes of lime and gypsum to spread um, in the next sort of six to eight weeks, um, and yeah that'll exceed anything we've done in the last few years by by quite a long way. And I think yeah you can simply just put that down to the fact that we've had quite an a good good run of years, um, the last three years, and and the better years you have, the more inputs you have to put into uh, to keep getting those yields. So uh, yeah, we've taken a lot out over the last couple of years. So everyone's got to be prepared to uh, to put a bit back into uh, to keep trying to obtain those yields. Uh, Tom, I'll see you sometime in uh, Calcan. That's where the train goes through, doesn't it? it goes whizzing it does, through. Mate, yeah. <laughs> It does. Macker, I'll just tell you one very quickly, if that's yeah. all right. I, uh, one of the product, as I said, one of the products I spread is gypsum, and um, and farmers, I think, sometimes get a bit of a bad rap for not being too environmentally friendly. But um, I'm not spreading this this specific gypsum that I talk of as we speak right now. But a lot of the gypsum I have been spreading this year and will continue to spread is actually um, it's actually made out of recycled plasterboard. So wow. uh, in the in the capital cities, you know, or mainly the capital cities, because that's where the bulk of uh, uh, ex-construction material comes from, obviously. Uh, yeah, they pile, they um, segregate all the plasterboard. It goes and gets um, uh, broken down, or yeah, basically refined um, back to almost a powder, to similar to sort of uh, you know baking flour or something like that. Um, and then yeah, it get, uh, gets distributed out to farms and um, and used as uh, as a as a product to supply um, sulphur to yeah canola plants, basically. So it's um, yeah for anyone who says. Um, uh, farmers are aren't, uh, environmentally sustainable. I'd, yeah, I'd like to differ. Good on you, Tom. Yeah, none of us are environmentally su- sustainable. So you know, don't pick on the farmers. Pick on yourselves, everybody. <laughs> yeah, Every, everybody, everybody's got skin in the game, Tommy. I reckon. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Good on you, mate. Uh, I'll see you in Calcan sometime. Thanks, Mac. Much appreciated. See, see you, mate. mate. Bye. Stacey's in. You better tell us where you are, Stacey. How do you pronounce that? Jarang uh, Jarang. Jarang Jarang. Yes. Population oh. 10. <laughs> right. No wonder I haven't been there. Yeah, go on. <laughs> uh, yes, I have a wildlife rescue and rehabilitation centre here, and I am just about to leave to take a wedge-tailed eagle down to the Werribee Zoo for a vet check. Oh, wow. What? Hmm. Uh, tell me the story of the wedge-tail. Well, he's missing a rear toe, which is called a hallux, and um, it's only, it's a relatively fresh injury. I don't know how that happened, Um, but x-rays have shown a bit of a shadow in his leg, so go and check it out, make sure he's not got a a bone infection. Uh Um, But he's been in care for a week. He's eating me out of house and home. I've called him Glenn, and um, (laughs) yeah, so I think he's got a, a, a good outcome, but I'll just double check with the vet. So where did you find him? What happened? Tell me his, uh, tell me Glenn's story. Well, apparently um, he was flying three days before he needed rescue 
and something happened in those three days and he finished up in an alpaca paddock uh -huh. and the alpacas were bothering him. Um, so fortunately the farmer caught him up for me, luckily, and didn't get hurt and called me and um, sure enough, he's pretty thin, but uh, yeah, we'll get him seen too. So he's away from the alpacas and <laughs> in my care at present. Yeah. And he's eating well, so he's probably going to put on a bit of weight. I hope so. Yes. Yes. They're marvellous. I just can't understand why people shoot wedge tails. They're just the beautiful, most beautiful thing you can imagine. I mean, if people love whales because of their mm. large and majestic, there's the majesty of a wedge tail eagle in flight is just wonderful. Mm. I, had, I had this lovely book, a bloke who has since passed away, mm -hmm. um, spent some time just of his own volition. He went out to you know an outback place, set up a little hide. And mm -hmm. filmed, but I've lost the bloody book. I can't. Oh. But but they're just they're just wonderful things, aren't they? Noble, yeah, they beautiful sure animal. They sure are. I've got another wedgie in care. His name's Nevis, uh, <laughs> or her name's Nevis, and uh, she's a long stayer. But she'll be gone once she's she's missing some primary flight feathers. So once they molt back in, she can go home. Is that the so, is yeah. that the is that the feathers on the wingtips? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like cutting a a chooks clipping a chooks wing so yeah. she's off balance and can't get up so uh -huh. um yeah she'll get there uh -huh. so they'll both get there they're both beautiful birds and um yeah i don't understand why people shoot them because they're they're raised they're actually really lazy birds so they'll only take a lamb if the crows have been or something's had them first yeah it's too hard to get four kilos of bird off the ground against gravity plus whatever they're trying to escape with so it's easier for them to just eat on the ground. So, um, yeah, so usually something's been dead or injured. Yeah, they do a great job in the paddocks cleaning them up. How long have you been doing this sort of thing, Stacey? Oh, years. Yeah. <laughs> Probably about 100 years. Well, no, not that much. But, <laughs> just seems like uh, it. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yes. There's just been an absolute parade of animals through, and this year's quite busy because we've had flooding in, in the district and um, – yeah, a lot of animals came into care for help. So, yeah. well, keep up the good work. Hope Glenn's okay and nice to talk to you, Stace. What's it gives a weather report for wherever Gerangalung? Gerangalung. 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 Yeah, like giraffe, giraffe. So, yeah, the sun's coming up. Um, there's a little bit of cloud. Looks like that'll burn off. I think it'll be a beautiful day, probably in the low to mid twenties. Good on you. Great to talk, Stace. Yeah, you too. Have, have a great day. See ya. Bye. See ya. Bye. Barney's in Batlow. Uh, good morning, Barney. Uh, morning, Ian. How are you? Yeah. All right. Good. What's Mate, up? Mate, um, 15 degrees here this morning, clear blue skies and a, uh, and a light breeze. Oh, that sounds very nice. When's the apples start, Barn? Uh, look, probably another couple of weeks, um, Ian. It's uh, been a bit of a difficult season. It was a late start with the cool wet weather we had there, and flowering was delayed. Yeah, yeah so it's, uh, it's been it's been a long um, long season. It's going to be uh, going to be a good season, though. I think we've had plenty of rain. It's still green down here, and uh, much much different to what it was three years ago. Yeah, three years ago you had bushfires, didn't you? Yeah, we had those dreadful bushfires in um, in early January of um, 2020, which caused a huge amount of devastation, especially around this area. Loss of lots of houses, um, buildings, fences, trees. In fact, there's still a lot of burnt trees still falling, and and people are still rebuild, rebuilding fences and um, and rebuilding houses still. Matter. 
If I get a chance, if we get a chance, Barney, we might come down to Batlow and do a program there one morning, one Sunday. Um, I've always wanted to go to Batlow. Uh, I mean, I've been to Batlow, but haven't we have never done a program there, and I think it'd be nice nice to get down there. Um, yeah, no, you did a concert here in the late 80s, early 90s. and um, No, it wasn't that long ago. It was just a few years ago. <laughs> You're trying to age me, Barney. That's no, no. It was no. You got it wrong. It was it was might have been '98 or something. Anyway, go on. Sorry, Barney, to interrupt. Hey, listen. Um, we've got a big challenge down here at the moment, um, Ian. We've got uh, an overseas-owned um, electricity transmission company, which was previously owned by the New South Wales government, but um, somehow or other they decided to sell it, and they're wanting to put these um, high-voltage power lines um, all across people's farms near communities. Um, it's all connected with Snowy Hydro too. And look, we, um, we're, we're embracing renewable energy, but um, these things are causing farmers a huge amount of distress. And uh, look, they just want the damn things underground. Um, they present a huge bushfire risk. They stop a lot of aerial agriculture. They devalue property. And they really are causing farmers a huge amount of distress. And, um, you know, the, the answer is underground, but uh, they just don't want to listen, apparently. Yeah, and when was that sold by the New South Wales government? When, when did that happen? Uh, look, it was during Mike Baird's time. So, uh, good old Mike, you know, yeah. Yeah, good old Mike. Yeah. Um, and, and now it's just creating this enormous amount of angst. And look, there's um, young farmers down here who are so distressed because these things are going to be here for 60, 100 years over their property and uh, they just don't want them. And uh, it's no, really you, Well, I don't think anybody wants them. I mean, you know, talk about the the environment and, you know, I... Surely we've found better ways to do things, but obviously we haven't, Barney. It's but it's uh, costing. But um, thanks well, for letting us know. See, you, see, you don't know people. The, the the nice thing about this program, it goes into all the capital cities, and people everywhere know what's going on. We we mostly compartmentalise our news, so people don't know, often don't know what's going on in the bush, um, and. Uh, and uh, they're very interested. So um, I'm glad you rang and told us about that. And we'll follow that um, and see what happens. But we might try and come down to, because um, I remember when the fires were on, we were going to come down then. But, you know, there's been so many so many fires and so many floods. <laughs> the places to go, there's a, there's a litany of them. But I always wanted to go to Batlow. So, yeah, hopefully in the, this year, in what year is this, Barn? 23. In... 20, 23. We can, we can do, the, do a program on, on the showground. Um, there's, we've got a lovely, lovely showground there, and it's a, it's a great site to do a uh, program. Um, people, plenty of people can come along. But, uh, look, it's really, really great of you to um, sort of get this message out, out, to, our, um, out to our cities. Because well, we need, to know. we need to know, Barney. We, everybody needs to know. You know, you just can't be mucking around your own little dung pile. You need to know what's going on in the larger Australia. And uh, thanks for letting us know. Just before you go, um, how many varieties of apples are there now? About 700 or something ridiculous? Yeah, no, I've, I've lost count, Ian. There are, <laughs> there's, there's, there's new varieties every year. but um, I know. Yes, yeah, um, but... With uh, with strange sounding names, I remember the bloke rang us with. Uh, he was growing those um, traditional ones with all these great names. I had them written down somewhere. Just told on it in this little book. Um, what were they, what they, they had? Oh, I think Cox's, Cox's Orange Pippin and things like that. Yes, oh, great names. I thought they were fantastic, but I'd written them down somewhere because I was so enamoured of them. But anyway, we can find more about that because we went down to Tassie and did our program in, in one of the Apple houses. That was, oh, when was that, Kel? Before the before COVID, BC. It was about 2000 and 
Yeah, I think they were growing heritage, a lot of heritage varieties yeah. uh, on that orchard. Yeah. yeah. But look, and we just we just don't want our um, communities in you know turned into industrial landscapes. We want to um, maintain the beauty of our country around here, and uh, undergrounding is the only way with these power lines. Good on you, Barney. Great to talk to you, mate. Great. Thanks a lot, Macca. Have see, a great day. See you. Bye. Good morning, Macca. This is Jane from Alfreton in Ballarat. Hi, Jane. But I'm not in Ballarat. I'm up in the mountains near Edai Cutting above Moyu. Oh, tell us all. Victoria's Northeast. Victoria's Northeast. Tell us all about what are you doing up there? That sounds like a lovely place to be. I'm walking the dog up a mountain and I do it each morning. I do about an hour walk. This morning I've walked an hour up and I'll be walking an hour down. But the air is so crisp, the birds are out, and I've just had a a uh, grey kangaroo thump his tail and or leg or whatever and um, peer at me through the bush. And then he hopped off and uh, went down a bit further. And just, it's just a beautiful morning. Beautiful the, morning. Up the there. air is sharp as scissors in lofty jindabyne. That's... Uh... And that's what it's like with you, by the sounds at uh, Edai Cutting. Doesn't it sound lovely, lovely romantic it's thing? It's beautiful, and the sun's shining through the leaves in the trees and the birds are out, and it's just glorious. It's absolutely glorious. We should be there. We should be there. Uh, so, Jane, you do this every morning in the same place or you go different places to walk? Well, we're just camped here at Edai Cutting, which is a free camp on the King River. Uh-huh. And... Um, this mountain mountain track or road is uh, up opposite there and it goes up and there's places where people can cut wood and then you go up further and there's actually fig trees, about four fig trees that grow along here and every time we've been here, they've never been ripe. <laughs> <laughs> but the two lower trees um, haven't got any fruit, but I believe that they had a really wet winter and lots of wind, so probably the flowers blew off those. But one that's higher up, has got quite a bit of fruit, but not nearly as many as um, last time we were up here. Well, every season's different, isn't it, Jane? That's what I find Absolutely. about life. And uh, the fruit growers apparently are having a hard time because the season has been really off. Yeah, that's what the uh, we just, I don't know if you heard Barney in Batlow, who was complaining about electricity-wise going across all their, because uh, an overseas company has now bought out the New South Wales government and they're putting their electricity yes, w- wires across there. But he said they've had a, a very cold winter and a bit of wind and lost a lot of the blossom and things like that. But it may be uh, in Battler they'll have a reasonably good apple season. But it just, yeah, depends, well, just depends, doesn't it? And while on my walk, I saw this massive slug, <laughs> which was nearly the length of my foot, which is a size wow. eight. And I thought if that was in a regular garden, you'd be eaten out in half a night. <laughs> it was enormous. Oh, they're, well, they're lovely things. I've, I found one on my strawberries the other day, and I think it's called a leopard slug. It's not, it was only, it was as long as my finger, probably a bit longer, but um, a very pretty thing, you know. Just... Well, when you look at them, they are pretty, yeah. absolutely. You'd... And this was certainly big enough to have a good view of him, that's for sure. Yeah, you just don't want to be friends with them. They're a bit slimy and stuff like that. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> but I always say they should be able to bottle up the slime that they produce and be better than CRC. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Jane, we wish we were with you. It sounds like a lovely thing to do, but that's what I, I vicariously travel the world here on Sunday morning. And uh, I, I you hope... do, in fact. Uh, and I hope other people do too. Uh, well, we, I've got a little dog with me who we adopted in September and she's never been up in all these areas and 
she's having an absolute ball and she's never been she hadn't been to the ocean or to a river and now she's having her first experience up in the in the mountains you're a treasure jane good on you great to talk to you you too see you have a great morning bye bye This is the All Over News. One of my more memorable school holidays when I was about 14 or so, I think, was at a guest house. Yes, a guest house. Remember guest houses? They're now called resorts or environmental escapes or whatever, but this was a guest house. It was a wonderful place. And it was on the banks of the Warrenora River at Audley, uh, just south of Sydney. It was a holiday of mucking around in boats, really, rowing boats, and there were holiday makers from all over. And I became good mates, well, at least for the week or so that I was there, with a kid about my age, and his name was Terry. I think he was from Wagga Wagga. And when I asked him, he told me he went to Yanko Agricultural High School. And for a time when I went back to school, I thought of a career in agriculture, but as usual in life, other things beckon. This week I had an email from Jim Gelsh, his former CEO of Nuffield Australia, and it reminded me of my time mucking around in boats because Jim Gelsh mentioned that he went to Yanko Agricultural High School, which celebrates, I think, 100 years in March. But he's on the line. Good morning, Jim Gelsh. Good day, Ian. How are you this morning? Good. You've got a big time coming up for Yanko Agricultural High School, haven't you? Certainly do. We've actually at a 100-year reunion dinner uh, being held in Griffith on the 17th of March. And, of course, it's 101 years, actually, since the school opened in uh, 1922. But for obvious reasons, we have to delay it one year. But I'm not quite sure if you know much about the background of Yanko. And I'm really fascinated the fact that you actually met someone from Yanko all those years ago. But uh, we've, we've got members all over Australia, I'm sure, guys that have been through the ag and girls recently, and as you're probably aware that Yanko Ag went co-educational in, uh, in the mid-1990s. Really interesting history. In fact, I'm just have been driving on the road, sitting in the main street of Jerilri and uh, Ned Kelly country, but of course it's, uh, it's a Samuel Makaki country as well. He actually bought the North Yanko Station, uh, which is on the Murrumbidgee, just out of Yanko, Leeton area, and, uh, back in the 1800s, built a uh, wonderful homestead there. And, of course, uh, on his passing, he bequeathed that homestead to uh, the education department and it became the Yanko Agricultural High School, which, as I said, opened in 1922. Makaki Ian, as you well know, is well known as the, as the sheep king and, and also the father of irrigation. And probably it would be fair to say that it was really his effort in harnessing the waters of the Murrumbidgee River and uh, irrigating that area north of the river back in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, that was the catalyst for the Murrumbidgee Irrigation Area. So the school has a, has a great history, uh, and we're celebrating a part of that on the 17th of March in Griffith. But we also want to talk about, at the dinner, very briefly, the next 100 years. I think I noticed when looking through bits and pieces that uh, every student can now do at least one agricultural subject, I think year seven and eight, at least one, which never happened before. And It's interesting. The, there's currently 264 students at uh, Yanko Agricultural High School this year, uh, and that will grow by another 100 over the next 12 months when the new dormitories, new girls' dormitories, are actually completed. So over 360 young people will come into uh, an agricultural high school what we want to be able to do uh, during their careers during that uh, time at Yanko is to really, uh, with the assistance of, of our new principal there, Marnie Milne, who's doing a magnificent job. She's come from Narandra, teaching at Narandra High School, principal there, and has come to Yanko Ag and really breathing a fresh air through the, through the place. And uh, we want to be able to assist her in ensuring all of those 
360 students that come in each year are given a real understanding about the opportunities there on agriculture. There's a couple of agricultural high schools in Sydney. I know they're selective. And uh, are there many around Australia? I mean, time-wise, when you could, you know, you could go to Hawkesbury Ag College, Tokal Ag, Ag College. There's a lot of ag colleges now. They seem to have disappeared or been melded into university courses. But um, are there many high school agricultural colleges where kids can go to routinely if they wanted to? Yes, well, as you as you quite rightly, there's two in Sydney. James Roos, of course, we have Hurlston, Farrer in the northern part of the state and Yanko in the southern part of the state. And in fact, uh, you know, we're, we're really starting to build an engagement. In fact, we've already had discussions with James Roos about you know, sharing some ideas because it's interesting that their focus has really uh, moved towards medicine and they've been graduating some wonderful people out of there. But we want to really make our focus agriculture, but I think we can learn from what they've been able to do at James Rees. I'm talking to Jim Gelch, who's a former CEO of Nuffield Australia and who's also a former alumni of Yanko Agricultural High School. And he's talking about the recently inaugurated Yanko Agricultural High School Foundation, which aims to help secondary school students into a career in agriculture. Jim, there just doesn't seem to be a, a real pathway from school, and especially for city kids, as I once was, into agriculture. I mean, there's university degrees you can do from secondary school, but what about the nuts and bolts of agriculture? How do you get all the kids that could be involved in ag involved in ag? I mean, there's 8 billion people in the world to be fed. Yeah, look, you're spot on, Ian. And look, don't despair. Don't despair because I can tell you there's some stuff happening in the background. And, and I think it's, a, you know, it's for a longer conversation at a later date. But mm. there's some really fascinating stuff happening in terms of ensuring that we do fill all of those aspects, all of those careers in agriculture. So we've, in fact, the foundation that's been set up at Yanko Agricultural High School, we've already got two investors have come in. So they're corporates that have come in and they want to engage with Yanko Agricultural High School because there's such a dearth of young people, not just scientists, but absolutely people that are, you know, tradesmen, if you like, people who can fix tractors, people who can be agronomers. But we also want the scientists as well. So you talk to Jim Prattley from Charles Sturt University, and Jim will just tell you that, you know, the absolute dearth of young people going through the, the sciences. So what we really want to do is to be one of the part of the very large jigsaw around Australia that are doing some really fascinating stuff. And in fact, just recently, Anthony Lee, who's the CEO of Australian Country Choice, which is Australia's largest vertically integrated beef company, in an address to the Rural Press Club of Queensland, talked about really trying to harness everyone, the CEOs of all the research and development corporations, uh, industry CEOs, governments, and get them on the same page in terms of strategic plan of how do we actually fill this vacuum that's out there in agriculture because we, we the people are there. I can tell you the people are there and it's just a matter of putting in place a process to make sure we match the people that are going through places like Yanko Agricultural High School and making sure we fill those vacuums that are out there with all these corporates and, and family operations that need these people. But Anthony's uh, Anthony Lee's, I think, vision is to make sure that we start to talk together to really do something proactively about this. And Yanko Agricultural High School is going to be a part of that. And what we want to do at this reunion that we're going to be holding in March on the Friday, the 17th of March in Griffith, is to really talk about and, and, and open the possibilities to our alumni of what they can do to assist in this. Because uh, you know, we've got a, a careers day. There's a careers day coming up for year 10 students um, on the day preceding the, the reunion. And that's taking, uh, we've, we've selected about 10 or 12 
alumni that have that have special skill sets and they'll be coming in and talking to year 10 students in association with the uh, careers advisors and, and Marnie and her staff about um, the opportunities and possibilities there are in agriculture and hopefully that uh, those year 10 students can pick that up and say well that that sort of idea that suits me whether that be you know working for John Deere uh, you know doing uh, tractor maintenance or uh, you know doing technology on tractors or whether it be uh, you know going to Charles Sturt University or Sydney University doing some science degree so that's that's what this is all about. And you end up travelling the world, going to China, going to India, going to wherever and advising people in all sorts of ways, not just in scientific ways, but practical ways, advising so you can travel the bloody world and you're living outside and you're not stuck in an office. My God. <laughs> exactly. What a life, eh? Fantastic, huh? Jim Gelsh, nice. I just wanted to mention as well. Look, you know what? We'll have two of the oldest Yankonians will actually be at this reunion. So mm. in 1938, Bill Draper and Peter Hinton both attended Yanko Agricultural High School. Local guys from around, around Leeton, both know them personally, great people, and they'll be along. And along with the 2023 captains, the two school captains, that's the male and female school captains, will be cutting the cake to celebrate the last 100 years. Can you imagine that? Yeah, that's, that's 85 years difference wow. between uh, 38 and 2023. Extraordinary. Jim Gills, great to talk to you and good luck. Enjoy the dinner. Good on you, Ian, and really appreciate that. And look, if anyone wants to, to book, uh, if they just jump online, go to all the w's.yanconians.com.au, they can find the all about the, the YAHS community and, and book for the reunion on the 17th of March in Griffith. Good on you, Ian, really appreciate your time. This is the All Over News, news from all over. And I know you like to hear what's happening in your country. This is from James, James Morrissey. He says... G'day, Ian. I live on a 10-acre property just outside Cabago on the Bermagui Road in New South, southern New South Wales. I listen to your show every Sunday and would like to share with you and your listeners how things are going in this district since the devastating bushfires nearly three years ago. We bought this property in November 2019 and hadn't even moved in when the fires struck. Fortunately, we didn't lose our home, a 100-year-old dairyman's cottage, but lost many outbuildings, including a huge barn built from timbers recycled over many years, fencing, trees, and the house garden, which was burnt to a crisp. In an ironic twist, we had moved from Mullumbimby on the north coast of New South Wales to Cabago, and the home we sold there completely flooded in the recent floods. It's been a tough two or three years. Bushfire recovery, rebuilding pandemic and relentless rain. The rebuild of Cabago forges ahead though and the strength and commitment to move forward of this community as one can only do continues to amaze me. I can say the outlook here is positive and yes it does take time but things do get better. As my mother used to say you may not get over it but you'll get through it. The Aussie spirit of getting on with it without ignoring the trauma associated is alive and well in Cabago says James Morrissey. And today is the last day of the Cabago show. If you're in the area, I suggest you get along and say g'day to Cabago. Other things that are on at the Cenotaph in Ant Street in Brisbane this morning, the Fall of Singapore. Um, be there at 10 o'clock, I think. 10 o'clock's the time, isn't it, Kel? I think, for the fall of Singapore. Happens around this time, bombing at Darwin. Sarah's on the line. Good morning, Sarah. 
Good morning, Mecca. Where are you and what's happening? Well, I live just east of Louis, which is on between Mudgee and Ralston. Louis. I'm a yeah. grazier. Yeah. yeah. Have you been to Louis? <laughs> no, I haven't been to Louis. Anyway, yeah. go on, tell us more. Well, um, we're uh, just upstream of us. Um, there's a proposed lead mine, lead, zinc and silver mine. And um, we're, we're really worried about this. We're, we're just on so many fronts, our health. We're worried about the water. We're worried about um, the the legacy it'll leave in the district. It's a, it's a sort of a fairly uh, dangerous sort of mine. And what's what's so, what's where it, where's it at at the moment? Is it going ahead? Is it gone ahead? Or is it no, proposed? Or um, what? It, actually, this is a big week for us because the Independent Planning Commission is coming to Machi, and um, they're going to hear from you know, people yeah. like the Department of Planning and and the proponent and also um, various interest groups and, and individuals. So that's on Wednesday till Friday. Uh-huh. And then and in the next month, they'll determine whether the mine goes ahead. Um, the department has recommended it go ahead subject to um, conditions. Um, but that, that they're still to be determined. And we just think this mine should never go ahead because it's we don't we think it's going to destroy or, or definitely harm the tourist industry in Mudgee, which is flourishing and very important. Mm. Um, um, well. And also, we're just worried because we're on a creek and it's our lifeblood, and and they they plan to sort of. Um, the, the, in their design, their their tailings dam, which contains all the sort of toxins, mm. um, waste products, or what have you, it's designed to leak um, nearly four and a half swimming pools of um, uh, acid um, drainage into our creek. Well, you better get you better get everybody. Uh, you better yeah. get your thing uh, mobilised quickly. Yeah. Well, we're having a meeting this morning in Ralston, actually a public information meeting. We've mm. been having a series of them, and so okay. yeah, we just love every pe- people to come along and just hear what's okay. you know, what it'll mean. I mean, there's you know, it's it's not all bad, but it's it's mostly bad, and we're really worried for the district in the future. All right, so right. we all, want everyone all, to come along. All, all roads lead to Ralston. They'll find it. Yeah. Good on you, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Thank you, Mecca, for having me on. It's a pleasure. Uh, Bye. Yeah, okay. Bye. Bye. Oh, it's Mark, our, our rowing correspondent and also our former uh, Australian of the Year last year. Mark Campbell. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Becca. Hey. And uh, great to have you back and happy Charles Darwin's birthday, mate. That's exactly right. Yes, Charles Darwin. He yes. came here in the Beagle, didn't he? I was, I was listening before earlier this morning. It's a great, great thing to pick up. What a great guy he was, huh? Well, I'm disturbed the status quo a bit. Exactly, amazing. You know, isn't? And look, I, I saw that David Williamson play about about um, uh, Isaac Newton and um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, the uh, Halley's Halley, Mister Halley. Halley. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great play. It's a great play. But there's t- a couple of. I mean, really? How does yeah. how does he work out? Oh, look, that's going to come back in seventy six years time. That uh, that thing I can see up in the sky there, and so they just. <laughs> This and was, Newton just worked out calculus just out of nothing, yes. along with another German guy. Yeah, I amazing, mean, eh? and, Great place. and, and yeah. yeah, you just you can't relate to that sort of intelligence, can you? I mean, 
they're, but they're probably sing out a tune and they probably can't catch a ball or something, you know. So everybody, everybody's <laughs> got to be something. Everybody's got their own skills, haven't they, Mark? That's right. I like we hope so. Yeah, something, something useful. <laughs> we, we, live pulling, out, we live in hope. We live in hope. Pulling out lantanas, pulling out lantanas, about my best at the moment. <laughs> what are you? What are you up to, Mark Campbell? I'm just sitting on Sharky's Beach at uh, just north of Bulai. Um, in New South Wales, yeah. In New South Wales, Sharky's just watching Beach. the ASRL, Sharky's Beach. Sharky's ASRL. Uh, which, is, which is basically Bulai Beach, but the, the beach was destroyed by that big rain bomb on um, Thursday. Actually, we were in the middle of that, and uh, wow. our, our little carnival, the Masters Carnival, was cancelled. So they've gone, this is the ASRL, the Australian Surf Rowers League, which is a fantastic event. And I must say, if anyone's got some time, just Google uh, ASRL Open live stream and you'll see some wonderful racing with drones and there's, there's, there's been some great racing. Um, so that's the here. Australian Surf Race? Surf Rowers. Surf Rowers League. League. Uh-huh. So it's a, it's, a, it's surf boat only, um, sort of a, an Australian championship for surf boat rowers only. And that's it's, it's, tough. It's and it, and it, I, I suspect that it transfers to the, the more elite, if you like, elite only that it's um, – yeah, slimmer and longer and faster um, of the of the rowing that you, that you do in the fours and the eights and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot of guys who double up or have done one and then done the other. Um, a lot of retired still water rowers like myself end up here, but there's also guys who've never set, set foot in either who, who do that. It's, it's it's actually it's wonderful. You could, there's it's not just straight line speed because there's waves and. You know, so you, if you the luck of the draw, but also the way you handle a wave can make ten lengths difference in a race. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's 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 fantastic to watch, and the interstate um, uh, relay they had on Friday. There's eight boats. There's four female, four male at random. They, they have to start with the junior women's crew, but after that, it's at random that there's under twenty three crews and the open crews. And it was just compelling watching. I was trying to get out the door to go to work, and I just, I just couldn't leave. So, <laughs> anyone wants to watch the replay of that? You, it's 15, 20 minutes of really good sport. It's Queensland ended up just well up, you know, might ruin the uh, thing, but it's, it's, it's tight right to the very end. <laughs> why, do the, why do Queensland always win, Mark? What, what is it? Well, big, you know, if you see this, you'll, you'll realise that bigger and stronger. But maybe just on this one, they just got a few, you know, breaks. That's that surfboat rowing. There was nothing in it, uh, right to the very last uh, few strokes. It was tremendous, actually. You, you yeah. just get the, you just get the, the wave, and others don't get the wave, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. yeah. Or you do get hit on the way out, or whatever, and you know that's why that's why there's uh, so many people love it too. There's some great people. You've got to be a bit crazy. You've got to have a bit of madness in your soul, like Socrates said. You know, Sharky's you Beach have... is awfully uh, poorly named, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so, so wondering how it got the name. Especially... Either a nickname for somebody, or it had a big Sharky one day. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, especially these days when the, the number of shark attacks is always seems to be increasing. Mm. And that rain bomb you talked about, I mean, I think they had about 15, 16 inches of rain in the south coast there. Um, well, just south of where we were, that was. But here, and I couldn't imagine that because the the, rain, the weather we had was some of the most spectacular I've ever seen. Uh, you know, tents being destroyed and blown over and, you know, chaos everywhere. And we eventually had to pull the pin, obviously. And... Uh, Drive home, and on the on the drive home, the, the southbound um, uh, Princess Highway was cut about four different places with just flooded water, and that's that's not on the plateau, which I have to say is an amazing escarpment here to see that bull eye pass. You drive up, and it, sitting out in a surfboat and looking back at it is it's a spectacular place. Down here. It's I really would have a beautiful place. I would have hated to have been driving down Mount Oosley uh, in the middle of that um, that rain bomb. Oh, I'm sure I'm sure they would have been creeping. We 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 went back afterwards and. 
you know, the worst was over and we actually sort of followed the storm back to Sydney, I guess. But uh, the at, during the storm, it would have been creeping or not moving at all. It was, it was pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. Okay. So that's on again. That's on again today. The AS. That's, uh, RL. So it's on on all day, and, and then Stillwater New South Wales State Championships are on up at Penrith as well. And um, actually, I'm going up there late this afternoon, possibly. Jill's um, had a race named after her, a trophy named after her for the women's quad, which uh, doesn't run until six thirty tonight. So it's a, it's a long day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. When you're involved in sport, as you know, whatever sport, yeah. it's. Uh, Lovely. It takes all your time and parents' time, running kids and and even adults around all over the place to to take part. But that's uh, that's a great thing. I think sports a wonderful thing. Oh, it is a wonderful thing. My my boys had a great day yesterday and had a little club. We got second and third in the juniors and uh, junior men's and boys are in the crew that got second. So that was a good day for them. And I've got a daughter racing in the open women's today. So Lara's we've we've got a great high high hopes for you know. <laughs> See how it turns out, mate. It's surf boats, you just never know what's going to happen. No, Stacey rang from Garangarang this morning. Uh, did you hear that yeah. about? And she had the, they had a wedge, wedge tailed eagle. Wedge tailed eagle, yes, with, yes. With, um, yeah. And she's been looking after, and she's got another one there too. I mean, they're, they're wonderful things, aren't they, wedge tails? Oh, so just, just spectacular. And the distances they travel, there was a great show on the ABC just a little while ago about. Um, Showing, you know, like in their first year, one one flew four thousand kilometres north. I think. You know, just travelled all over Western Australia, basically, and a bit of the Northern Territory, South Australia. In his first year, and they just saw. And you see those mm. jets when I watch the jets come into land now, where they they got those little extensions on the end of their wings now, which is just pinched off the wedge tails, really. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. The, the little upturn at the end. Yeah. How's things in the in, in the veterinary uh, business? Uh, 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 veterinary business, this is good actually. There's a you know a lot of a lot of people have got pets, and a lot of think through COVID, a lot of people their pet they really realised how much they actually loved their pet because it was you know a bit of refuge of sanity in the middle of all that mess, and you know it was a such a roller coaster. It's funny, I've, this last year I've just thought so how often um, you know it's like the old lady in that movie Parenthood, and she says I prefer the roller coasters, the merry-go-round, but sometimes it's nice to get on the merry-go-round for a little while and not have too much of a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I anyway. thought that you know everyone had bought dogs and chickens and whatever, and and once the you know the the push I suppose was over with COVID and people thought that things were better that they sort of forgot about their dog or their chook. And... Uh, look, I I think thankfully for me I haven't seen. I'm sure there are some instances, but I haven't seen much of that. It had a bit of you know when people have gone back to work, there's a few challenges with just getting their pet used to a different routine, but. Most of them, you know, and, and just gets people out. That's what I, I love about a dog. For, for myself, you know, you, I get home at night and I'm feeling a bit tired and sorry for myself and the dog's sitting there wagging his tail and I think, oh, I better go for a walk. And then you get out and you think, that was the best thing I could have possibly done. So yes. I, I'm seeing a lot of that too. Ah, oh, the dogs, they're wonderful things, aren't they, dogs? They're just wonderful. They are amazing. They, they don't, you know, they might get the half a bit if you've ignored them for a while but yeah they get over it quick and away they go and you say right. oh, okay what are we doing now what are we doing what's now? the next what's, yeah. what's the next thing i oh, know <laughs> this is my favorite to go for a walk with you that's my favorite right now yeah they're amazing they are beautiful all right mate good on you yeah, and okay. uh okay yeah, enjoy today and we'll catch up soon we'll get on the live stream if you get a chance i think you really enjoy it it's the asrl open if someone's got you know five well, ten twenty minutes have a look i'm gonna look at that i'm gonna look at that okay. uh good on you mate Right on, mate. Great see, talking. See ya. Welcome back. Thanks, mate. Bye. Okay, bye. Hello. 
Hello, Macca. G'day. Uh, this is Mick here. I'm just uh, riding behind uh, uh, a mob of bullocks uh, bringing them in uh, to uh, to be trucked away about uh, 10 o'clock. So down in the southwest of Victoria. All right. There you go. So when you say a bunch of bullocks, how many you got there? Uh, 150, but not, not as many as they have in the north, but uh, they're... Uh, <laughs> Look, Mick, a bunch of a mob of bullocks is a mob of bullocks, mate. Doesn't matter how many's in it. Yeah, yeah. All, all yeah, this... uh, look, they're, they're just wandering along. We get out early in the morning and uh, and bring them in. We've got about another half k to go, and uh, we're uh, before the yards. The trucks are coming at about ten o'clock, and uh, we like to give them settled down for a couple of hours beforehand. Good on but, you. Uh, you got a couple yeah, of got uh, a couple of dogs. No, we got just uh, just the horses. So don't use the dogs very much, and uh, they're pretty quiet. The cattle, once you get them going, they're just like they're just like old men. Once you they settle down, <laughs> they uh, once they, they get to about uh, two and a half or three year old, they uh, they sort of go along and they just like to uh, walk along. Just like old men, there'll be a lot of old men will be. Insulted by that, Mick. But anyway, ah, uh, 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 well, that's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm old enough myself, so it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> so, so, what's it like out there this morning? Is it cool? You've, it... yeah, it's it's pretty cool, Maka. Yeah, we had to have a little bit of a puffer on this morning, but, uh, uh, but it was hot yesterday. But it's lovely and cool this morning. Cattle moving very, very well. They're, they're uh, they'll, they'll be there in about uh, about an hour. And then we'll give them a rest for a couple of hours, and uh, then they uh, then they'll be off. Well, they probably like to get out in the road too and see, you know, how the other half live, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Well, we're not on actually on the road. We're we're in we're in a big laneway going right down the back paddocks. That's all. Down near down near Hamilton, are you? Yeah, we're down near Hamilton. Yeah, and uh, and it's been a lovely season, and uh, cattle have done well. They they they're looking absolutely fantastic. You know, yeah. There you and, go. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great uh, it's a great time to be in the uh, agricultural uh, business. Oh yeah, I was going to say that. You know, everybody you talk to, although you know there was a bit of rain for some people, which which meant they couldn't get their crops off. But by and large, uh, you know, I spoke to, uh, was it Daniel last week, and said he'd been travelling out, you know, all through Queensland and places, and he said the country's the best he's ever seen it for a long, long time. And that, yeah. that applies to everywhere, you know, most places. Yeah. It does, yeah. The, the cattle market's eased a little bit, but it was probably too high last year for a while. And uh, it's eased back a bit, but it's uh, it's still uh, it's still pretty good. Yeah, you know, we, uh, we sell... Uh, we sell a, uh, a fair number of bullocks about this time of year, and and uh, and then we just uh, put the rest back in for the next year. Then, <laughs> Mick, a lot of people like me will be listening to you this morning, and I'm imagining you. You're on the little, the long, like a, well, like on the on the stock route, really, sort of, and just with your bullocks out there, and just be a lovely thing and a lovely place to be, Mick. Uh, it is. It it's lovely. Be. Yeah, we've been doing it for a long time, Macker, and it's. Uh, it's uh, it, it really uh, it doesn't uh, make any difference what age you are. You you still uh, you still like to uh, get out here and, uh, oh, and do yes. it. You know exactly. You know, just uh, just to makes a change. You know, especially for those of us who who live in the cities. Um, I like the city, but I like the bush as well, mate. Um, yeah, well, this is my sixty fifth year of farming, Mac. Eh? Wow. So, so I'm uh, just, I'm still uh, I'm still like it. <laughs> I thought you I thought you were going to say I'm still learning. 
Uh, but <laughs> yeah, probably still are learning. I would reckon. <laughs> good on you, Mick. Great to talk to you, mate. And uh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll bump you sometime in Hamilton. Yeah, right. Uh, good morning, mate. See, Bye. See you, mate. Bye. Greg's in Walhope. Morning, Greg. Good morning, Ian. Thank, thanks for taking my call. Ple- pleasure. What's uh, what's happening? What do you want to tell me? Uh, we're uh, the Warhope Yesteryear Truck and Machinery Club, based in Warhope, is hosting a big show at Walker this next weekend coming. Uh-huh. Uh, Walker people don't have a truck club as such, and they had a lot of people interested in running one. Came down and asked us would we help them set it up. So we're going to do it this time and next year. They should have a committee going and run their own show. But this is an inaugural show for Walker with old trucks, cars, bikes, machinery, anything on wheels that'll move, plus a lot of old tractors that won't. Um, yeah, for two days, Saturday and Sunday, uh, big tractor trek on the Friday, about 70k through the bush with a lot of old tractors that chug along. Uh, that'll finish back at Walker on the Friday night. And then um, um, on the Saturday, Saturday morning, a big parade in town for nine o'clock for everything you can move, can drive through Walker. And when's this? This is on next weekend. Next weekend. Oh, yeah, because people love, love their old trucks. I know lots of people. They love trucks and old tractors and old engines and motorbikes and stuff. It's... I don't know what it is, but maybe a, a return to the past when things were different. And yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't well, know what it is, but it's all of that and more, I suppose, Greg. Yes, and it's surprising the number of people come up and say, geez, my dad had them on the farm, you know, and there's none of them left. But someone told me the other day they reckon 80% of our heritage is in the tip. And uh, <clears throat> our members here are trying to keep these old things alive. And it's surprising when you get an old truck and restore it, how it keeps on going. People want to keep it and buy it off you and someone else wants it so it stays alive. But once they just leave them rust in the paddock, that's the finish. But um, oh, yeah, well. there'll be old things there that you wouldn't even think will go. They'll be covered in rust, but they'll start up and run down the street. And um, We've got a big crowd to, to watch it. And people are ringing us from Rockhampton and way up in Queensland. Oh, yeah. Uh, from Sydney, all over the New England. Bok in the New England, of course, near Armadale, Tamworth. A lot of people ring us from there. One bloke rang up the other day and said, I'm bringing 10 semis down with tractors on. Oh, my God. Jeez, I'd love Another to be bloke. there, mate. That'd be All roads lead to Walker. You'll, you'll, you'll be a, there'll be loads of people there, mate. Well, we, we've got a, a showground up there, and our problem is we think we're going to have too many people to pack in and around it. But uh, <laughs> there's more, more the merrier. Uh, it's the first one, and uh, they've got a lot of people, a lot of equipment up in the area too that doesn't rust away up there so much. And the fellow said, can we run a show? How do we do it? So we yeah. jumped on board and said, well, well, we'll help you run it. Well, as long as you've got plenty of coffee and hot dogs, you'll be right, Greggy. Good on you, well, mate. Good luck. To, good on you. All right. Well, thanks for taking the call. And anybody's there, just turn up. It'll be uh, only $10 to get in. It's cheapest chips. Thanks, mate. And the weather, the weather here today in Warhope, I've never seen a day like it. It's absolutely blue skies and not a cloud at 360 degrees right around. The See you, Greg. Good on you, mate. See you Bye. Dave's in Gundawindi. Morning, Dave. Oh, good morning, Mac. How you going, mate? Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah, so yeah. yeah um, I'm just on a grader. I'm about 80 k's northwest of Gundawindi, building roads for a farmer. We've been here about a month now. I work for a, a family company in Gundy, uh, Gore Earth Moving. Um, this is dry as chips out here, Mac. Um, yeah, it's... About 30 degrees, supposed to be going for the mid-40s today. Like, the roos are already standing in the shade just looking at you in the underneath the trees as you go past. Um, but it's perfect conditions here at the moment, like, for this earth moving because it's nice and dry. Oh, Dave, um, and is it good grading in the dry? Probably better than the wet, is it, or what? Oh, God, yeah, Maka. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's not much fun playing in the mud. No. Um, yeah, but... The farmers definitely need it, need some rain for the crops they've got in for the sorghum. Um, 
yeah, it's just once you get sort of below a foot, there's plenty of moisture. It's just very, very dry on top, like big cracks in the ground. Send me a photo of you and your grader, Dave. I'd love to, Mac. Um, um, we've got the hell of the West Triathlon next month in Gundawindi on the 26th and 27th. You ought to come up and do your show from it. You'll is, absolutely love it. Is that uh, in March? In uh, Yeah, March. In, 26th and the 27th of March, and we get people from all over the country coming to that triathlon. It's absolutely fantastic, and the town just supports it so much. Well, you yeah. absolutely love it. All right. We'll, we'll see if we can get there, Dave. Good on you, mate. Great to talk to you. All right. I'll send you a photo. See you, mate. Bye. Cheers, mate. Bye. Give us a ring. 1300 700 triple two. Oh, did you wear Just a little way from town. I'm coming over. We bought a beachside unit. We're travelling right around on the Wallaby. It's our home among the gum trees, and if you've got the time, I'll tell you why I live where I live. I'll tell you why I live where I live. And these, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, are some of the best letters I've read for a long, long time. This is from Jim, who says, Dear Ian, why I live where I live? Let me tell you first about the quite small number of occasions when I awake very early. On these mornings, while it's still dark in the house, I look out the window to see, dimly in the half-light before dawn, the grass and shrubs of the paddock and the trees on the hillside beyond. Ah, I say to myself in the long-ago words of my bushman father, pick an any daylight. For a minute or two, I look out into the stillness, the absolute quiet. The cook will have stirred up the fire by now and put on the billy, I think to myself. In that silence, the kookaburras loudly announce their presence. First a lone soloist, joined almost immediately by the full choir. Their singing, as the first hints of colour appear in the east, indicate that Piccaninny Daylight's time has now come to an end. Piccaninny Daylight is a time of great beauty, peace and serenity, but tinged a little with sadness, memories of times and people long gone. So the relatively small number of times that I'm awake to see it is probably enough. What wonderful reflective writing this is from Jim. Better to enjoy the precious wildlife on our small acreage, the beautiful wallabies who regularly visit together with an occasional kangaroo, the raucous moorhens flicking their white tails and exploring noisily, as well as the wood ducks who feed quietly. Enjoy too the resident king parrots, galahs, white cockatoos, and with Ella, the lone corella. Ella the lone corella, we could make a poem out of that, make a song. All chasing seed and the kookaburras, butcher birds and magpies who prefer a meat diet. Finally, there are the enforcers, the yellow beaks, Noisy miners to be found seeking honey among our grevilleas or other flowering natives. I do not know that I can say that I enjoy them. Unlike king parrots, they are nothing to look at. Unlike butcher birds and magpies, they are nothing to listen to. They are immensely territorial and happily chase away what they see as unwanted intruders. We disagreed about whether a band of bowbirds were wanted or unwanted, but the enforcers didn't ask my opinion. They did, however, have me cheering for them when an advance party of Indian miners was driven away in no uncertain manner, and as birds who lead the dive bombing whenever a big goanna climbs a tree to assess likely food sources, they offer a certain protection to the accepted birds allowed to nest within our boundaries. So they're a bit like the Soprano family, you know, that TV show The Sopranos. 
whose good points tend marginally to outweigh the bad. Jim, I'm not sure about that. Anyway, fortunately, humans seem to be acceptable to these tough little creatures, which explains why I live where I live. Best wishes, says Jim. Jim from Duralong. Haven't heard that phrase forever. Picking any daylight. This is from Terry, driving back east from Perth to Harcourt in central Victoria. He says, So long, WA. Heading back east after six months on long service leave in Perth. I'll miss sunsets, driving the west coast highway between Trigg and Sorrento, Banksy's in the Median Strip and the rest of the WA plants, Kings Park Botanical Gardens, Milk Stout by Beer Farm, Frio. I love Frio. Watching West Ham play at a semi-decent time. (laughs) It's a soccer tragic, of course. Pimping out the camper trailer with the father-in-law's tools. Surfing Perth's breaks during winter. All the places that end in up, going up north. Nana's cooking. The red dust that covers everything. Beatty Park Pool. Coastal storm fronts. The safe suburban feel. The greenest ovals in Australia. Red rust watermarks on all the fences. RTR FM and the full frequency show. Not working. But most of all, I'll miss having the ocean in my life, says Terry. Ain't that lovely? And from somewhere on the Wallaby, Kayleen and Rob, I'm a grey nomad in the truest sense of the phrase. I'm grey and I travel Australia permanently with my kind-hearted husband. As we travel, we birdwatch, meet people, and I knit shawls to raise funds for koala habitat trees. In the past seven years, we have mostly stayed on the east coast with just a few quick trips across to the wests. We intend to go to the West, directly, as my father would say to us kids when he really didn't want to do it. That's what my grandpa used to say. He used to say that directly. Yeah, I'll be there directly. Directly. (laughs) We really do want to do it. Maybe 2024. We've seen some incredible birds. On a trip to Katini Payamu, that's Iron Range, we saw most of the endemics, the yellow-billed kingfisher, palm cockatoo, and the trumpet manucode, amongst all the others. On the Atherton Tablelands, we made friends with a pied monarch and got scrub itch three times from standing in Marby Forest, watching birds and tree kangaroos. We flushed an eastern ground parrot on the Kalula coast, watched a Lewin's rail dance and flap his wings to disturb insects, but we never ever saw a black-breasted button quail. We might have seen a chick, though. On a big birder's weekend in Malakuta, we saw a reef egret, eastern grey morph, and on a trek into Howe Flat near Malakuta, we glimpsed an eastern bristlebird. These two are serious bird watchers, aren't they? Food for the soul. Birds are fascinating, Macca, and Kel, of course, and we continue to look and watch. At Naya now, we watch the eastern rosellas and crimson rosellas, the yellow form, each day as we sit by the Murray. It's up, Macca, and the birds are loving it. We've met some amazing people with a teaching background. I told a family I would come to their station for six months and teach their children. We stayed for almost two years. It was hard to leave, but we are retired and have some living to do. The Cairns birders welcomed us and told us where we could locate rarer feathers, the rufous owl, the blue-faced parrotfinch and the Theresian kingfisher. What a pity we had left when Nordy turned up during COVID. Nordman's greenshank, way off course. Whilst we were in Malakuta on the birders' big weekend, Macca, we met Janine Duffy. Janine heads up a not-for-profit organisation called Koala Clancy. She and a team of volunteers plank koala trees. 
What an amazing thing to do. So now in between bird watching and meeting people, I knit shawls. I sell them and then donate the funds raised to Koala Clancy so they can plant more trees for koalas. My site for the shawls is called Koala Cuddles Australia. That's a Facebook page and it would be a good thing if you mentioned it. Did I mention that I'd left two birds on the station? If you are ever at the Jardine Lagoon, camped, just like the Jardine brothers did on their long trip of driving cattle north to Somerset, you may see two iron birds, an emu made of barbed wire collected around the station and a stork high up in a tree near his barbed wire nest. He is a shovel and a pickaxe. The station is 24 kilometres from the tiny town of Inersley. These days we leave footprints where we go and gather memories of the birds, the people and the places we go. On the backs of some people are the shawls I knit for koala trees. It's a marvellous life, Macca. Kindest regards, Kayleen and Rob. As I said, there's three truly wonderful letters. I hope it inspires you, it inspires me. It keeps me here when I get mail like that. If you'd like to write to Why I Live Where I Live, Post Office Box 9994, Sydney 2001, or you can email us or whatever. Takes your fancy. That's Why I Live Where I Live for this week. Hey, good morning, Macca. My name's Rob. I'm from Benalla, but I'm driving down to Melbourne. Uh uh-huh. How come, Bob? Uh, Rob? Sorry. Well, I'm going... It's okay, mate. I'm going down to pick up a birthday present for my wife. Um, she's down in Painesville at the moment. But the reason I called, Macca, I was very moved by your tribute to the fall of Singapore. Uh-huh. And um, I just wanted to thank you, mate, for, for keeping the strength and uh, for remembering. Um, we're losing so many things, Macca, uh, that really troubles me. But uh, when you hear things like that, and the last post played, oh, it gets me every time. Yeah, and that's that. That's the Australian. Uh, is that which RIR is that? I'm not sure, but but they did a version of the last post waltz, waltzing Matilda, where they're blended together, right? And I oh, remember, that was mag- yeah, magnificent. Yes, uh, and I think they were going to re-record it or something. They wanted to re-record it, but I don't think that ever happened because we were going to put that on the top hundred, but we didn't. But it's on one of our albums, one of our earlier but albums. It's, it's sensational. I was in the army band myself um, from 1979 uh, to 88 um, down in Melbourne. At the, uh, it was called the 3rd Military District, but it was the Southern Command Band and then the Australian Army Band of Melbourne, and I was very proud to be in, in that organisation. And there was another one, um, another version of that called Sunset um, that we used to play at the Shrine every year for the bidding the retreat and um, other things. And, oh, it's the mo- one of the most moving things I've ever played. It used to make the hair in the back of my neck stand up whenever we played it. It was wonderful. What do you play, Rob? I played drums, Macker. I was uh, in the Army Band, I said, from, for, for those uh, nine years. And um, I was the main uh, drum kit drummer in the, uh, in, oh, the, wow. in the military band. Loved it. Under Barry Bignall and then under uh, Peter Jackson. Um, and uh, just had a... A wonderful nine-year experience with uh, military music. Yeah, we uh, we did a concert. We did a, a drought, might have been a drought or a flood. I'm not sure. In uh, at the Dallas Brooks Hall, but uh, probably just after you with with the uh, army band. That, and it was fabulous. Remember, Kel, they did that thing. They were sort of all in the nude, and they held little cards in front of their particulars. <laughs> um, this is the. This is uh, yeah. They did it in Sydney. We had the. Well, you had the Sydney Army Band and the Melbourne Army Band, and because uh, it was a fundraiser, we we raised we raised a whole heap of money. Because I think who are the jeans people? They gave us two hundred thousand dollars, didn't they, Kel? So we ended up raising about three or four hundred thousand um, dollars. 
Um, right. but, but the army band in Melbourne came <clears throat> and they did this thing. You, uh, you might have been <laughs> where the band was playing. <laughs> and, I, and I think the brass section came out and they, there were, there was no girls, there were only blokes, um, because the girls didn't have enough hands. Um, but they had, <laughs> they, they had little squares of cardboard, right? And, um, they, in, and they weren't, I think they had duds on, you know, little things on G strings and stuff. You couldn't see anything, but they did this little dance where they kept shifting and then they turn around and hold it behind their bum. It was just fantastic. I wish we'd, have, but, but, um, I, I thought you, maybe you, if you were in the, you were 77 to 88, we would have done that in about 92 or something, I suppose. But I thought, yeah, well, well, luckily, luckily Macaron wasn't there. Thank goodness. <laughs> Yeah, but you couldn't have done it because you're sitting down behind the drums. But you know, um, <laughs> that's right. The, the flutes and piccolos could probably do it. But it was just a mighty little routine, and oh, it killed us. It was it was great. But they were and they were great. We played a lot of good stuff, and and uh, yeah, the army band is fantastic wherever they are. Yeah, it's a real shame. We had uh, a whole lot of people in the band when I was there. We started off with a band of about forty eight. Yeah. Um, and it was a mighty sound, an yeah. absolutely mighty sound. Uh, the the RAF band was the same. They were our colleagues, um, uh, although they were the competition in those days. Yeah. Um, but Anzac Day um, and all the parades we did together, Moomba, um, yeah, the Redcoats, we did a tour around Victoria called the Redcoats were coming, and um, we had our red coats and our white hats on, and, you know, it was a great band, and it was such a shame to see all that disappear. And like I said before, Macca, so many things are disappearing. But I just wanted to thank you for, uh, for for keeping the memories alive, especially for those guys who are at Singapore, those people that you interviewed. Mm. Um, now, I found that very moving. And, and, and to hear the last post played was just wonderful, mate. And and their families too. And, and you know, they don't forget. And I don't think, because it's, it's all part of Australia. Everything's got a place. And we should, you know, as my mate... Uh, Ray Parkin said, if you forget your history, you've got Alzheimer's. Uh, that's the only reason you should be forgetting your history. Well, there's a lot of people, Macca, who want to rewrite the history at the moment, and that troubles me greatly. Um, and to hear history and to, to keep the, and the things that you do on a Sunday morning, um, it's a great pleasure to talk to you, Macca. Thank you very much for taking the call. All right, Rob, if we need a drummer, which I always do, um, I'll, I'll be on the phone, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got my number. Call me any time, mate. No worries. All right. Good on you. Bye, Macca. Thanks, Rob. Bye. Uh, it, it's Heather from Murray Bridge in South Australia. Hi, Heather. Um, I just thought I'd um, speak to you just about the flooding down the River Murray. Um, uh, recently, I went to Manham, which is the town upriver from here, and they actually built a levee up the main street of Manham, the middle of the main street. Uh-huh. And so the the businesses between the levee and the river were pretty devastated and the caravan park was flooded and so the caravans all went up to the uh, oval, which is on a lot higher ground. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's been pretty devastating for so many people and the the amount of water that, you know, has come down across the river flats is just astronomical. I know. People, I don't think we you can realise it until you see it. I mean, people, you see it on the on the news, on TV, but 
usually that only just lasts for, you know, there's a 20-second gap and they say, look at this, look at all this water. But seas of water everywhere across ma- major parts. But down, down the Murray's been carrying so much water, Heather. Oh, yes, absolutely um, horrendous. And uh, like a lot of these shacks, you know, that well, uh, all the houses along the, the river uh, will have to be um, demolished, really, because, you know, they've had water flowing through them for so long. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been pretty devastating for a lot of people. It's been a devastating year. Uh, we, we thought uh, tw- 23 was... Uh... Uh, going to be a little bit better, but it hasn't been that much better. But we just keep, we hope for the best. It's pouring rain as we speak, even in Weeper. I mean, there's, the monsoon's still with us, you know, up there. So there's lots of water still to come, I reckon, uh, Heather. So yeah. on, with your, uh, on with your wellies or your gumboots. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. Anyhow, um, yeah, thank you for taking my call. Oh, it's a pleasure, yeah. Heather. I'll see you in Murray Bridge sometime. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, we will, we will. Uh, there's a promise, I'll tell you. We'll be there, oh, we'll be there this year. Good on you. Okay, thank you. See you, bye. bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.